Welcome to the Wards Auto Podcast. My name is David Kiley, Senior Editor at Wards Auto and host of the podcast, which we started back in June. Hopefully, you have enjoyed our chats with industry leaders, analysts, some of Ward's intelligence analysts, and we have been talking these last several weeks about the transition from an auto industry centered around the internal combustion engine to one focused on electrification. Today, we are visiting with Aruna Anand, President and CEO of Continental North America. If you're listening to the podcast, my guess is that you know about Continental, commonly referred to in the business as Conti. Conti is known for its excellence as a supplier of components and systems, but also really good tires. And I might add, they won Ward's Auto Tier 1 Supplier of the Year, which was presented to them last June at our Informa Auto Tech event. And we're talking to Miss Anand at a time when rumors are rampant that Conti is preparing to restructure a bit to align its businesses going forward more with electrification, including the possible sale of Conti Tech, which develops, manufactures, and markets product systems, intelligent components made of rubber, plastic, metal, and fabric. They are used in machine and plant engineering, mining, agriculture, and the auto industry and other important sectors of the economy. But as we will find out from talking to Aruna, the company is really building out its software-based businesses, and she doesn't comment on whether or not Contitech is actually for sale. There would be governance issues with that, but it is widely rumored in reports coming out of Germany. Of course, that's where Continental AG the parent company of Continental North America is based. Now, when we come back, a talk with Continental's Aruna Anand. This podcast is brought to you by American Axle and Manufacturing. AAM is designing, engineering, and manufacturing award-winning vehicle technologies to power a more sustainable future. Their team is pushing the boundaries of disruption all around the world with over 80 global locations in 18 countries. To learn more and join the team that is bringing the future faster, visit aam.com careers. Well, I'm here joined by Aruna Anand, the president and CEO of Continental North America. Aruna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure joining with you today. And the first thing I want to do is congratulate you for winning Ward's Auto Tier 1 Supplier of the Year last June at our big event. There's a lot of competition for that. And, and so congrats for uh, the case being made for, for your company and our judging panel having the wisdom to choose you. Thank you, David. I, uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, it's a great honor to be selected as the tier one supplier of the year. And I can only say we are extremely delighted on this. Uh, as you're aware, we are constantly working to achieve the highest standards uh, for the future of mobility. And all of this is because of our excellent team that we have. And um, we continue to lead the automotive industry in the way we innovate new technology trends and bring them successfully to the market. And we've done so for the past 150 plus years. Mm -hmm. And 
our ability to innovate is very clear from where we come from, from hoof buffers to high performance computers and everything in between. So we are both grateful and proud for this recognition and it highlights our ongoing commitment to ensure that mobility is more efficient, more convenient and safer for everyone. Well, Thank first, you. The first thing I wanna ask you Aruna is, how is the hoof buffer business doing for you? <laughs> I mean, maybe came from to now, I guess it's a good trend. <laughs> so it's so do, can you explain exactly what a hoof buffer is? And this is, I guess, a 19th century product and technology that was part of Continental's beginnings, but I don't know what a hoof buffer is. Yeah, from uh, all this, um, yeah, I had to, believe it or not, Google myself uh, when I saw it the first time. And um, we were, in the beginning, horse-driven carriages and then tires. And then from there, we went to into industrial products. And then we moved into electronics. And from where we are today, from, say, from the ground to uh, high up with the high-performance computers to the clouds, it's an amazing transformation that Continental has seen in the last 152 years. And to transform from hoof buffers to um, to high performance computers, I think it's a discussion on its own on a different day. <laughs> well, from hoof buffers to autonomous driving technology and uh, battery electric uh, technology stacks and, and things like that, that's quite a journey. So I know that you've listened to a few of my podcasts uh, so far, and one of the themes that we are driving at is, or the main theme, is the transition from an internal combustion engine-centric industry to one that is uh, centered around electrification and all the pain that goes with that transition. So can you talk to me a little bit about where your portfolio of businesses today with regards to internal combustion business versus the battery electric business, and maybe almost think about it visually for our audience as a pie chart and sort of talk about what the pie chart looks like today with mm -hmm. regards to that versus where you expect it to look in, say, 2030. Yeah, um, interesting question. And we don't deal so much on powertrain specific um, topics. And our products um, range over the entire spectrum, electrification, and as well as the combustion engine. So we don't have um, a lot of transition or transformation taking place on the electrification side. But when you rewind a little bit and talk about the automotive industry, over the past 100 years, we've been doing one business model, right? We design products, we sell them, and then we make sure we service the vehicles. And now what you start seeing is that transformation, that the changes that are happening are more radical uh, with um, new technologies coming in with connectivity, with automated driving, with assisted technologies. There are more changes and with high performance computers. Now, these trends are going to push the automotive industry forward in the long run, um, the electrification and connectivity. And many of this is mainly driven because of technology as well as policy changes. So when I look at the future, you asked me to look at 2030, what can I predict or how we are going to transform? For sure, the mobility of the future 
uh, will be more networked. It will be more sustainable. And the question is, how do you stay competitive in this environment? We need to build more of our software expertise. The cloud-based work will become more important than many of what we are doing today. And that transformation, as we move to these evolving technologies, I think will be a big defining factor in where we see. And along with that, because of this software-defined vehicles, you now have more players coming in, which makes it even more attractive place to be. And with that, I think then it broadens the business models as well. Um, are you a traditional supplier supplying just hardware? Or are you going to be engaging in topics um, such as selling hardware as a product or software as a service or function as a service? So there will be many of these business models as well that will all come into place as we develop the future of mobility to something safer, something connected, something networked, something uh, sustainable uh, and efficient. Mm -hmm. So one of the other technology areas I know that you're present in, besides the uh, software-based vehicles for electrics, is autonomous driving and, and ADAS. Can you talk about where you think that technology is going and how fast it's going to go um, and kind of where exactly Continental is, is playing? What's your, what's your sweet spot for that business? So generally talking about ADAs and autonomous vehicles, what we see is that in the coming years, the autonomous vehicles will fundamentally change the industry's understanding of mobility. We have radar, cameras, LIDARs, control units. And we know now that the modern car already captures its surroundings much more accurately than human drivers. And then that paves the way for the highly automated driving. And when I bring it close to home, um, I, I know that the market for automated and assisted driving will continue to grow in the coming years. And for more than 25 years, Continental has researched and developed driver assistance systems that are becoming essential features of vehicles today. So we have seen a tremendous growth in this business, and we also have added a new production facility in New Braunfels, Texas, that will continue our trajectory to advance this technology even further. So what we are seeking is new opportunities to make drivers safer. Mm -hmm. And as New Brownfields will play this critical role as we continue to grow our ADAS business in North America and support the goal of Vision Zero. What is Vision Zero? Zero traffic fatalities, injuries, and crashes on our roadway. And going back to the question of why is Continental ready for this um, future? Over 25 years of system knowledge and combine that with in-depth experience on integration in the field of assisted and automated driving, we offer new products, be it components, or complete full stack system solutions that can be tailored at the vehicle level or according to the customer needs. And we, to date, have uh, brought more than 200 million sensors and control units 
for assisted and automated driving to the road. And you might have also heard about our exclusive partnership with Aurora. That's a totally in this area with uh, trucking. And um, that is another first of its kind partnership that will also allow a deployment at a scale sooner than many think is possible. So these are different things that we are doing in this area of uh, assisted and automated uh, driving. You mentioned trucking. How, with, with regards to ADAS, is the demand and the the pace of adoption faster with commercial trucking uh, as far as ADAS goes than, than it is on the passenger side of the business? I know, I, uh, passenger side... I see it more and more and more, and it's faster. And on the on the commercial vehicle side, we have so many fleets from different companies that are running and proving the technology. Our partnership with Aurora is one um, some example, and the first production of such technologies is expected sometime in 2027. Yeah, I mean, logic for a bunch of reasons. I tend to think that the demand. For ADAS um, and for autonomous, you know, level three, level four driving would be more robust on the and faster adoption on the commercial side than it is the passenger, only because of the the issues are different. There's a huge demand and shortage, you know, for for drivers. There's uh, safety issues that are part of fleet management and how many hours, you know, truckers. It just seems like that's a riper area yes. for ADAS and autonomous than passenger cars for people like you and me. Yes. Assisted, you see it already in the passenger car. Automated, yes, you for the reasons that you cited, uh, it lends itself very beautifully on the commercial side. Absolutely. Now, from a technology, I'm fascinated on the ADAS side recently because the drive had been for a long time with LiDAR based uh, technology. And more recently, I've been exposed to uh, LiDAR-less systems um, that are just based with sensors and cameras. And one of the advantages, uh, there are technology advantages to not going with LiDAR, but there's also very much a cost advantage of not using LiDAR. And I wondered, are you married to one particular technology approach or do, do you have both with LIDAR and without? Yeah, so uh, we are not married to one technology, we are open, but what we believe is, um, first of all, we are known to have a comprehensive technology portfolio and we are also firmly convinced that you need complementary technologies for modern and powerful ADA systems and future automated and autonomous systems. So LiDAR technology will continue to play an important role in the future in order to be able to develop, uh, safely implement the higher levels of automation that are required in passenger and commercial vehicles. From our, uh, what Conti's portfolio, we are able to offer you sensing technologies we are also able to do sensing detection and full stack system implementation if you so we offer in our portfolio anything that the customer needs and we are prepared to offer any of these components or a system as required by the OEM 
what is the trend that you're seeing with uptake by the OEMs? For example, are they mostly interested in buying a whole stack uh, from a supplier like Continental, or do you find that they're some of them are much more interested in developing it themselves and kind of almost serving as that in the mm-hmm. same capacity as as Conti or Tier One, where yeah. where they're developing it and dealing with their own Tier Two and Tier Three suppliers. Yeah, so it's varied. There is not one unique pattern that you see. Um, there are advanced OEMs that want to maybe do the system stack implementation themselves and buy um, components, uh, be it cameras or radars and so on, and do the system integration in-house. And then there are customers that want to do it jointly with us. And then there are customers that want us to implement the full stack from Continental. So it's varied. And to a lot extent, um, it depends how complementary those um, solutions are from what um, from partnering with the different partners that we have. And when you look at Aurora, it is something also totally then different. It's not a OEM tier one relationship. It is slightly also different. So the industry itself is kind of scattered. Mm-hmm. And then the in terms of what they seek and from in terms of continental, then the question is, are we prepared to offer what our customers want? and to the granularity to which they want. And yes, today, if you look at a lot of these systems, um, ADAS or even high-performance computing, some cases, if they are asking us to do all of it, fine, We do we have the capability uh, in terms of system integration and launch experience and industrial engineering experience? Absolutely, we do. And in some cases, they want to buy certain portions uh, of software or stack. That is also possible. In some cases, they want just a sensing element. Is that possible? Absolutely. So that is why the Aurora stuff also, hardware as a product, is the first time uh, that we are doing something like that. So what we want to do is to value add in this equation, whatever it might be. And that's part of our 152 years of constantly transforming ourselves um, and adapting to the trends in the market. So is it as clear cut, and it, it's probably not as neat as this, but I can imagine that the larger, more diverse legacy car companies, the GMs, the Fords, Toyotas, et cetera, are maybe more interested in doing their own system integration to protect intellectual properties and and, and things like that. Whereas um, some of these startups that are coming on that are smaller, uh, they're starting up, they're trying to get in on the EV era kind of rapidly. They'd be more likely, I would think, to buy a whole stack system that they can put in. Is it that neatly defined? Oh, I wish it was, but it it isn't. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, different ranges of partnership and collaboration. And it's not exclusive by large or small OEMs. It is all across um, the spectrum okay. at this time. Now, let's talk a little bit about the software-defined vehicles ahead and your uh, ZCU platform. Tell our readers about that and how you see that market developing over the next decade or so. So let's start. Uh, Software-defined, it takes, um, it's a very interesting topic to begin with, and I'm really passionate about that. When you look at software-defined vehicles, 
first of all, the reason is almost all the OEMs are uh, transforming the vehicle architecture. With the transformation of vehicle architecture, then you start talking about high-performance computers. And with high-performance computers, part of that architecture is also this domain or zone control units that we are talking about. Then the question is, what's the big deal and why are we doing all of these things, right? So if you rewind a little bit, the whole thing is to have a certain level of abstraction between hardware and software. So the hardware stays relatively mature and you're able then to bring variety of features and functions uh, through that abstraction, um, bring software into the vehicle. And then maybe you constantly keep updating that. So the zone controls um, or high performance computing, for example, we were the first ones to launch into production uh, the world's first high performance compute systems. They're very complex. We learned a lot of lessons. And with that, now you see that the trend is more and more people are uh, customers and OEMs are embracing it and launching it in the years to come. And then when you look at zone controls, what do they do? They help to realize the full potential of a software developed uh, defined vehicle, because as more and more complex software functions are introduced, then the zone controllers um, are of big help because they support in increasing the separation of software and hardware, and they reduce the complexity in vehicle networking as well as cost. And this separation is necessary because, as I mentioned, you have continuous updates, improvements, and then you can deploy new functions in the future when, when you're talking about connected vehicles. So the zones generally take over the role as a communication gateway, and they are able to then act as a bridge between high-performance computers, the vehicle sensors, the actuators, the electronic control units, and sometimes we also use them for smart power distribution also execution of uh, services uh, of real-time functions like audio, external sound, parking, heating, cooling, suspension, you name it. So that, in a gist, is about high-performance computers and um, zone controllers. And when I come back again, all closer to home, our zone controllers are very scalable and very modular that uh, it will allow vehicle manufacturers some maximum flexibility for design of their own vehicle architecture, whatever it might be. Uh, if you want complete integration, it is available for hardware, software, third-party solutions, uh, service, and functions. So we can either do completely all of that, we can do part of it, or a combination thereof. So our approach mainly is to enable the OEMs to introduce solutions quicker and in a most um, cost-efficient way, I would say. If I could ask you back to my pie chart question, what percentage are, of your business today could be in a in a section of the pie labeled software-based, you know, products and services versus what you think it'll be by about 2030? I mean, we are developing solutions today that go into products in 2027, 20, 28, and you will see this constant adaption of high-performance computers, connectivity modules, and there's still 
the traditional body controls that still exists. So it's a combination, but you see that the percentages are slowly increasing on the high performance and zone. And um, it all depends on the deployment rate of the OEMs. And uh, I would say that from the amount of software that we do today compared to what we did 10 years ago, that is increasing. And I expect that to increase more and more and more. And not only in the software area, but as well to add something more, uh, artificial intelligence. How do we use AI in the way we develop, in the way we um, build our product portfolio uh, and all of that? So you have more skills that are required in order to be prepared. And you see that uh, increase very linearly um, in the area of software, system integration, uh, artificial intelligence, and so on. I'm glad you brought that up because I think I could probably work my way up to doing a series of podcasts just on how automakers are utilizing AI. How? What are some of the ways that you're using it? How big a deal do you think it is? How transformative is the expansion of artificial intelligence in the development? Um, and just how, how is it changing the business in terms of how you have to staff and and the number of people that that you'll need, you know, today versus, uh, say, twenty thirty. Yeah. So in some areas, I'm a little bit more advanced than the others. When you look in the area of uh, collecting data for automated driving, processing that we do do deep learning and automated uh, artificial intelligence a lot more in our product development area. And um, and this is a growing area, and we have to take care of reliability of of the information as well, right? So if you look at our wide range of product portfolio, when you look at brake systems, am I just going to do artificial intelligence? No, it requires uh, more bubble wrap uh, because of the reliability of the system. Then when you look at our processes, um, let's take tires. You wouldn't guess this, right? So end of line for tires. You do what is called a visual inspection. Now, the question is, can I replace that visual inspection with artificial intelligence and do this? Yes, it's possible, and we are starting to do that. And then I'll give you another random area that you might probably have not um, thought about, supply chain management. Is there something I can do there? Of course. So we are entering into different areas. And where we enter also, uh, we have to take care of reliability of the systems in consideration. And then I think the need and the emphasis of this will continue to grow. We have a large team. We understand that this is the way to go to optimize and um, to leverage this. We have formed a large team of uh, experts in artificial intelligence, deep learning, and so on that are working toward getting us more and more efficient in this area. So in autonomous, I know I've been uh, on the receiving end of some presentations that show how AI achieves a great amount of testing, yeah. modeling, so much faster than you could collect yeah. it in in re, you know in real life over time. So that's right. yeah. So I mean, processing I've, the data that's captured yeah. from fleet and managing that. It is a lot of work and you use artificial intelligence. Otherwise, it's a very time-consuming process, right? Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of controversy around artificial intelligence, mainly because 
the fear factor of how many human jobs it's mm -hmm. it, it can displace. Yeah, I, I was talking to someone recently. Now I've played around with it, and and um, what I find my my conclusion is that the real benefit of artificial intelligence is that it does much faster work that would be very time consuming and cumbersome for humans to do leaving the humans that are part of the team to yeah. do much higher level strategic value added kind of work yes that's kind of my view of it will it displace some jobs absolutely that's part of creative destruction which is an economic principle that goes back you know as as long as hoof buffers do so but but that's my view of it is it is it also yours so to me it's uh, is it going to displace all humans and no uh, i think it gives us opportunities to do a lot more different kind it provides it aids us in what we are doing it provides us more information so that we can process that and do a lot more um, so that's how I think. Uh, I don't necessarily think of it as job elimination. It's more job enhancement is how I'd like to look at it. And um, yeah, and I don't believe that they're going to just take over at the end. Um, I think we come with a lot of knowledge and it's not very easy to displace us. I would. So. Well, you have a lot of responsibility on your hands and it takes a lot of strategic thinking that... I don't think you have to worry about uh, artificial intelligence replacing your uh, your job. <laughs> Mine, our company, and all of us, uh, yeah. by extension. So anyway, Aruna, thank you very much for sharing your time today and your thoughts and your insights. And again, congratulations on uh, winning the uh, Wards Automotive, uh, Wards Auto Tier 1 Supplier of the Year. I hope that your uh, uh, people higher up the rank in Germany were pleased for that. Absolutely. Everybody's happy. We are very proud and delighted. And thank you for that. Great. Thanks again for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Are you prepared for an electric future? Join Ward's Auto at AutoTech Electrification October 17th to 18th at Fort Pontchartrain in Detroit, Michigan to discover the transformational shift electric vehicles have ignited in the automotive and mobility industries. Visit wardsauto.informa.com slash events to book your pass and learn more. That's a wrap on this episode of the Wards Auto Podcast. Thank you to Aruna Anand for talking with us. And you can subscribe to the Wards Auto Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc. You can also play the podcast directly off the Wards Auto homepage when you see a story about that week's podcast episode. There's a graphic inside the story that says, listen now. And if you click on it, you can just play it right there off the website or off your phone. Same goes for our daily emailed Wards Auto newsletter. We will let you know when we have a new episode and you can click into the article and the episode right from there. I'm David Kiley, your host and senior editor. Graham Mitchell is our engineer. Until next time, enjoy the ride.